This is Michael Weir. You're listening to The Morning Five on Monday, February 27th, 2023. Uh, This week, we're going to do something a bit different. In partnership with our friends at the Park Forum, uh, we're going to open up our uh, episodes of The Morning Five this week with uh, their devotionals. And so today, we'll uh, start with the devotional uh, from John Tillman at the Park Forum. Uh, on John 2. First, uh, the reading from John 2. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. May God bless the reading of his word. Next we'll read uh, the opening verses of Genesis 1. Uh, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. May God bless the reading of his word. And now a reflection from John Tillman. I recently came across a video by Dr. Daryl Johnson. In it, Dr. Johnson explains why turning the water into wine is, in his opinion, the most miraculous thing done by Jesus that is surpassed only by his resurrection. What about feeding the 5,000? What about raising Lazarus? Well, as Dr. Johnson explains, when he fed the 5,000, he only multiplied what was there. And when he raised the dead, he only reanimated what was there. In the miracle of the water into wine, he demonstrated that he can create something from nothing. I have in the past wondered why John, who only chose seven miraculous signs to testify to Jesus' divinity, would spend one of his seven choices on the wine at the wedding. I thought perhaps John wanted to start small. But Dr. Johnson has made me reconsider that. John opened his gospel with a poetic description of Jesus, the Word, as a participant in the creation of the world, that through him all things were made. In Genesis, the nothing from which God created the world was formless and empty water. The Spirit of God hovered over this empty and formless deep sea, and John testifies that Jesus was there. The biblical authors, including John, didn't have a concept of nothing that was formed as ours has been by space travel. To them, the vacuum of space was the open ocean, and nothing meant the formless, useless, shapeless chaos of the deep waters. 
Perhaps John remembered and related this story specifically because it places Jesus once again hovering over deep pools of nothing and turning them into something. How is your past year gone? Are you like the wedding host staring down scarcity? Are you hovering over deep waters of disappointment? When you look for meaning or achievements, do you see only formless, useless, shapeless chaos, like the shifting waves of the deep ocean? Give your scarcity, your vacuum, your chaotic, shapeless, formless fears and failures of the past to Jesus. Sense him hovering over them with you. From your nothing, Jesus can make something beautiful. The water became the finest wine that brought joy to the heart. What will your nothing become? What it will be can only be known by following him. That concludes the devotional from our friends at the Park Forum. You can learn more about the Park Forum at theparkforum.org. You're listening to The Morning Five, brought to you by the That Sounds Fun Network. Let's get right to the news. Uh, First, the AP is reporting that we could begin to see uh, states kick uh, kick people off the Medicaid rolls, which the federal government prohibited during COVID, but now that the COVID emergency is officially uh, over, um, uh, according to the federal government, Uh, states are able to assess folks' eligibility for the first time in three years. As many as 14 million people could lose access to that health care coverage. Related, we've seen a significant change over the last few years of Republican governors becoming open to Medicaid expansion. Uh, An example of this is the Mississippi Republican Governor Tate Reeves, uh, who has said for the first time that he wants the state to allow a full year of Medicaid coverage to women after they give birth. Uh, He's called for the Republican legislature in the state to send him a bill along those lines. He calls it, uh, quote, part of our new pro-life agenda. In the case of Reeves, uh, he has not yet publicly said that uh, he supports the broader expansion of Medicaid that was has been taken up by now 39 states. Mississippi is one of 11 that has not approved that expansion, uh, but to have a, a red state governor, a deep red state governor make this change suggests something about uh, changes in our politics regarding uh, approach to working class issues, the poor, and the government's role uh, in that. Uh, a second item or second bucket of uh, news items since that, that first kind of had had two separate uh, two separate sort of stories. Uh, new intelligence has 
led the energy department to conclude that an accidental laboratory leak in China is the most likely cause of the coronavirus pandemic. Now, uh, they have issued this conclusion uh, as a, quote, low-confidence conclusion, which, you know, in some ways means what it says. I mean, it means, you know, it's not a high-confidence conclusion. Uh, It's also important to note they wouldn't have released it if they didn't think there was merit, <laughs> you know. So uh, a, a, a government's a low confidence it just means that they, well, I shouldn't say just means, but but means that they haven't uh, completely sort of incontrovertibly made the conclusion. But this is, this is the theory that the Energy Department is working on. Now, U.S. spy agencies are divided on the question. And so this is this is one branch of the government, uh, one one agency of the government that's made this this conclusion, but uh, it is making headlines today. Finally, off the coast of the Calabrian coast of Italy, uh, along the Ionian Sea, a wooden boat that was crowded with migrants when it departed, estimates suggest as many as 170 were on the boat. Uh, The boat uh, crashed and broke apart. Uh, Rescuers have recovered nearly 60 bodies and dozens more uh, have not been recovered Based on based on estimates, and so we expect to see the death toll uh, climb further. Eighty people have been f- found alive. Uh, some reached shore. Uh, others were were rescued by the Italian Coast Guard. But a, a heartbreaking story out of Italy. It has prompted renewed debate about migration policies, not just in Italy, but across the European Union uh, with Italy calling on the EU to take a a, a greater responsibility for the European response to the migration crisis. All right, friends, that is all we have for you today. Let's close, as we always do, uh, with Dallas Willard's rendition of the Lord's Prayer. Dear Father, always near us. May your name be treasured and loved. May your rule be completed in us. May your will be done here on earth in just the way it is done in heaven. Give us today the things we need today and forgive us our sins and impositions on you as we are forgiving all who in any way offend us. Please don't put us through trials, but deliver us from everything bad because you are the one in charge and you have all the power And the glory, too, is all yours forever, which is just the way we want it. All right, friends, hope your week starts off well. We'll be back uh, with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.